Hello, this is Kristen here. And this is Meredith. We'd like to welcome you to the writer's story. It's January 2021. Or practically February. (laughs) Um, And yeah, I, I always feel like writers have really great intentions, just like dieters and all sorts of other people in January to to get off on the right foot with their writing. Um, how has your January been going? <laughs> well, well, it's been interesting. You know, I think a lot of us have been waiting for 2021 as though when the calendar flips on January 1st, so will our fates and everything will be rosy where it had been so bleak and grim. And of course, that's not exactly how it worked. Um, there have been some extra sort of family drama around here, but we are all doing just fine and um, and I've been getting back into some revising of the novel and that has been um, good for the most part. It always takes me a little while if I've been away from it for a time and I have right back into the story and be making it so much better than the earlier draft but it takes a little while to reacquaint myself with the draft and just um, get back into the swing of it. But I'm getting there, and um, so, yeah, so it's good. How about you? How about you? I have been revising, um, and I'm doing something that I always told myself I would do and I should do, and that is um, have the computer read aloud my manuscript to me and edit uh, from the audio. And I've done it for the beginning of my book, but it is a very time-consuming exercise, and I often have abandoned ship by page 50. (laughs) (laughs) But 50, that's pretty good. But this time I'm sticking with it. I'm halfway through the book, and I would say it's incredibly effective, and I've found that hearing uh, some of my quirks, which are um, things like repeating information, is much easier for me to ascertain when I'm hearing it. So do you keep a, like a little notebook that you jot down? No, as I am listening, I am editing. But wow. it's fabulous for um, catching errors. So the computer voice will say, do, do, and you'll realize, oh, I have two TOs there. Something that you might have just gone over with your eye and not noticed. Yeah. You know what's supposed to be there. And it reads it without any kind of inflection, right? No, and it's it's a little hard. I mean, it, it's not the sexiest, I have to say. <laughs> and and the way it pronounces your um, your characters' names, I have a character named Caleb, and it's like Caleb, <laughs> <laughs> like a horror movie. And I'm kind of like, huh, is this the wrong name for? And I'm like, no, 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 it's fine. Yeah. When a regular person pronounces it, it's fine. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Just let it go. Just let it go. Um, I have uh, had a hard time uh, revising very much this month. I I found, you know, insurrection in Washington rather distracting um, and some other stuff. Uh, and work has been incredibly busy. But uh, one thing I have done for January, and this goes on the resolutions and the writing, um, is I've done three things which... You know, in retrospect, maybe I shouldn't have done all at once, but whatever. Um, I gave up caffeine. Wow. I gave up alcohol. Yeah. And I've been 
journaling every day. I was listening to these happiness podcasts because we all need more happiness. Yes. And one of the things they said is every day to journal three things. Answer three questions in your journal. And I have done it every day this month. I don't know if I'm instantly way happier or not. Jury's still out. (laughs) But they are the following things. You say, I will let go of. And that's how mad I was yesterday at somebody. My, um, my self-doubt about my writing, anything you, anything that's bothering you, I will let go of. I am grateful for, and it should be as specific as possible. It's not coffee, but it's what's about this cup of coffee. Oh, wow, yeah. <laughs> you no, know, or whatever. It. Of course, I can't write about the coffee because <laughs> I live. <laughs> but it maybe is on your mind. Not that I'm bitter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then the third is today I will focus on. That sounds great. And I find that a really great exercise. I write a little bit more sort of what's happening, the weather, stuff like that, maybe to get myself warmed up. But the act of gratitude, they say, is the best way to happiness. And every day you reflect on gratitude. That's awesome. So, Meredith, it reminds me, I wanted to tell you about this new project, which is a little like that. I've been doing a haiku a day. I started January 1st. I forgot to tell you that in this context. No, no we, did, we did talk about the haiku on oh, the phone. good. But I think that our listeners will be very interested to know where they could read your haikus. Well, they can go to um, kristenswenson.com, to my website, and I call it Haiku365. And I named it that, and then I discovered that there already has been a haiku 365. But it's fine, because the idea is the same, and that is to write a haiku a day. And I invite people, other people to do this if they want. And honestly, it has been, as we've talked before, I'm not a journal lure. I don't do a daily diary thing. But um, I have loved having a kind of very manageable writing task each day. And my rules for the haiku are just very minimal. But one of them is that it is um, anchored in something real, ideally from the non-human natural world. So it kind of gets me out of myself and looking around at the world around me. And, oh, man, it's been, it's been really fun. And what I've done is not only the haiku, but then like a little paragraph description of maybe the context out of which that haiku has come. So um, a little bit like your project, but gosh, I love those three things that you are doing. Well, it's very simple, and I think what it does is it sets you your intentions for the day. It's I'm not going to let myself be distracted by X. I want to. I'm I'm filled with gratitude about something, and then also, um, here's what I'm going to really focus on today. Yeah. I and love what that. is that path that you can give yourself? So I think I'm continuing to refine it. But um, I did something a little bit different than the haiku a day. But one year I really tried um, to focus on taking a photo every day. Ooh, cool. And when you were talking, I thought you said, I have a little paragraph next to it. I thought, ooh, maybe a photograph sometimes would be too, would also be really great. Yes. Um, um, and I think that that's another way of saying, I'm going to look around me, just like you're talking about. I'm going to focus on the natural world, and I'm going to focus on something that's beautiful, and I'm going to try to capture that. And I think that that's, whether it's writing or, or picture, I think it's a really wonderful exercise 
and um, you know, we need everything we can to get us to be more cheery. Yes, yes, as we wait and wait and wait for a vaccine to come out of the holes that we're in. Um, but it's there's light, there's light, there's hope. Uh, we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. 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 And um, something exciting that's happening around the corner in February is you have a book coming out. I do. I do. And um, I'm really excited to be a guest on this fantastic podcast called The Writer's Story. Uh, my friend okay. Meredith Cole. Oh, wait a minute. That's you. Wait, wait, wait. So wait, I have to interview you all by myself? Yes. <laughs> I could put on two hats. I'll ask oh, yeah. myself like, those softball questions. This is your chance to ask yourself. No, I won't ask really <laughs> challenging questions. But um, we want to save it for next month, most of the info. But I do want to just give a little plug that next month we're going to be talking about you and oh. your book. And Thank and you. We'll, re we'll revisit your writer's story a little bit. Thank you. In the context of the book. That'll be fun. It'll yeah, be fun. It'll be really, really fun. And that will be, yeah, you'll be a, yeah. I think it's super exciting. Um, and I'm excited today that we are um, going to be talking to um, our friend Kristen Page. Um, she is a local here. We're in um, we're in a writing group with her. Um, we have known her for years. She's a wonderful writer. She's a wonderful teacher. Um, she writes both YA and literary fiction. And um, she used to be much closer to me. She's been my neighbor. So I'm sad I don't get to see her very much. So I'm even more excited to talk to her. Well, let's ring up KP. Awesome. Hey, KP, we're so excited to have you here. Since the moment I got your email, I was like, I get to talk to grown-ups and <laughs> writers. And I've been spending a lot of time with little people for the last 10 12 months, however long it's been now. So this is going to be a treat tonight. Thanks for having me. Oh, well, it's, it's great. Awesome. Now, um, we, in January, and I think, I don't know if we did this last year too, but in January, I feel like everyone's always kind of, you know, creating, you know, sort of thinking about writers anyway, thinking about what they want to do with their year, um, maybe approaching their writing differently, maybe trying something new. And one of the things that Kristen and I have talked about is residencies and when I think residencies I just think of you because I feel like you have done a huge amount of residencies maybe not so much lately and I've had varying success with them in terms of you finished your book in one or you you know whatever and I think that it was just a great idea to talk about like what do you gain from a residency and also um, yeah what 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 is it what what makes a good one in your eyes and that sort of thing. But first, we want to talk about your own writing. Um, and my my very basic introduction was that I all that I know is you have two books published. You've written in different genres, as they would say. And um, and so, tell us about how you became a writer and your books. Yeah, sure. Um, thank you. Uh, I was just you know, kind of always one of those nerdy kids that read a lot and wrote a lot, and the how I knew um, question isn't all that interesting because I just always did, which isn't super helpful when people are trying to figure out how to go about it, but I just, I was always one of those kids that used 
books as a way to engage with the world and also to escape the world. It was just my spot from the beginning. Um, my parents tell stories of me carrying my notebooks around and kind of head in the clouds pretty often and, um, you know, telling these unbelievable stories at a young age. And um, so it was always just part of who I was. I didn't know what that was going to mean as I got older and I just got really lucky. I had a lot of incredible teachers who caught that early and really cultivated it and encouraged me. So starting in you know high school in particular, I had great teachers. I'm from a very small town, Martinsville, Virginia. And they just, you know, in small towns, people know a lot of things about a lot of people and everyone kind of has their eye on each other and my teachers just they knew what I was supposed to be doing early on so I was lucky in that way so hooray for teachers that is so awesome so when yeah, you when you were walking around with that notebook were you writing stories fantastical fiction were yes. you making up stories about the people or animals you saw or were you doing kind of journaling writing and it was always imaginary I mean I had a huge imagination um, in fact I created an alternate family for myself and I <laughs> all about this life I had before my actual family adopted <laughs> which is not true at all I mean I was, I was not adopted but I can tell you all about where I lived before I lived where I actually lived um, so, well, I'm either a writer or a really great liar you know um so I'm glad it turned out this way, but so a lot, just a lot of living in imaginary worlds. Um, when I was young, my mom was diagnosed with cancer when I was four years old, and so I grew up just kind of, um, I mean, like we all had our things, right? So that was kind of my hardship as a child, and I just found a real comfort in reading and in books and then in creating my own stories as well, so... I just, I, that was always what I leaned on, and still do, obviously. <laughs> and um, when I met you years and years ago, your first book was coming out. Okay. I, I believe it was like, and, and when I say coming out, there's always this like two-year window of book coming out, where you're like, and everyone's like, where's your book, where's your book? And you're like, <laughs> after I publish her, it's taking forever. <laughs> yeah. Um, not the first book that I wrote, and I could spend all night long about <laughs> rejections and the failed novel, or, you know, actually I, actually, I don't ever call it the failed novel, because I think that they're all so necessary. Um, but Fingerprints was a, a View was the first book that was published, that was picked up. Um, I, I actually signed, or not signed, but found my agent um, for another book that we never sold, and then I went to a writing residency in Key West um, for five weeks, and it was kind of just a reaction to not selling the first book, and I wrote Fingerprints of You in five weeks in Key West. Um, wow. So, yes. I, the, the residencies um, have saved me in a lot of different ways at different stages of my career. At that time, I was desperate and depressed and, um, you know, I'm never going to be able to do this the way I thought I was going to do it. I had gotten an MFA and had the agent and thought everything was falling in place and then it didn't with that book. Um, 
accept the characters. I wasn't thinking about the industry. I was kind of turning away from it and um, just doing it for me. And that book, um, before that time, I had been considered a literary writer. My agent took me on based off of a previous book that was literary fiction. I had written short stories and published short stories in literary magazines. But Fingerprints of You ended up selling as a YA novel. So that was like my accidental YA novel. And um, I loved that world. I had a lot of, I mean, from what, from my viewpoint, it felt like a lot of success. I published with Simon Schuster, and I, you know, I was zipping off to New York and meeting with publicity people. And then I, I was, before I had children, so I spent a lot of time traveling and used the book just to really broaden my community and, and meet with all kinds of writers. And it, it was wonderful. And so I wrote the next book intentionally as a YA novel because I was so pleased with that world. Um, and that was my second published uh, book, which was Invisible Fault Lines. And those are the two that are on shelves. And then in between, there were ones that did not make it to the shelves. Um, and now I'm back writing literary fiction. The project I'm working on right now will not be YA. So I have written across different genres. Talk more about that. Well, thank you also for your, um, you know, your honesty. I think that people have this sort of Cinderella view of writing. So that, you know, you send out all this stuff and an agent goes bing and then a publisher <laughs> goes da-ding and then the next thing you know, you're on the New York Times bestseller list and everything you write turns to gold. You know, like one of those fairy tales. And I think writing is hard and it's interesting to me when I meet people who've had 35 books published right. and still full of angst when they start a new book. They're like, oh my God, this is so hard. I don't know if I can do this again. And you're like, wait, I thought this got easier. <laughs> I think it gets much harder with every book. And um, you all, you have, I would be interested to hear your opinion about that. But for me, the first book was so magical and I was so young. And, and just the fact that I was talking to someone in New York felt you know, really big time, and, and um, I, as I said, it was, it was a, a, just a heart book, like, it was all just for me, the whole book was just for me until, until we sold it, and then the second book came along, and I had all these other voices in my head, I had been exposed to the industry side of things, and um, for me, those are two very different things, there's the writing, and the craft, and the art, and then there's the business, and the industry, and with the first book, you're so much more um, naive and romantic, and uh, in in some ways confident. You know, I um, it's, yeah, it's an interesting thing. And then the second one, you know, like oh, I'm thinking about numbers, and I'm thinking about invites for festivals, and I'm thinking about well, I know my editor would say this or that, so it's harder. When I teach, I talk a lot about writing with the door shut and writing with the door open, and so. Um, I think with each book that gets published, it's harder to take all those voices and shove them out the door and close the door and just write the book. Um, you know, and I think you can also talk yourself out of something, talk yourself out of writing another book of your heart because you're like, oh, my agent wouldn't like it. Right. Or you told the idea to someone and they went, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and you, then you were, and then you immediately internalize that and say, oh, I can't possibly write that. Right. Um, and for me, I also, with each book, I know that I want to do something harder and different and more challenging, and what haven't I done yet, and 
they just keep getting more difficult. And I, I love that. I love to hear that. Yeah, I know. I try to do that too, which is why I really haven't published in a while. And I was listening to this really depressing, I don't know why I do this. I listen to some agent podcasts. <laughs> and, and it's because, you know, I think looking for an agent, you really want to find that person that you go, oh, okay, this is who I want to work with. And so I was listening to some, and this one went off onto this thing and said, it's really hard to write in different genres. So I'm published in mystery. You really should write at least 10 books in your first genre before you push on. And I was like, before? Okay, I gotta turn this off. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh and my I, gosh. You have to just remember that's an opinion. So, you know, that I love that you're going back to literary fiction, not saying I'm done with YA, but right. saying, this is what I want to write right now, and not thinking to yourself, and hopefully no one isn't saying, oh, you've got to write 10, you know, <laughs> young adult novels. novels. No, I mean, I do, I feel very fortunate to be with the agent that I'm with. I've been with her from the beginning. Um, so, I don't know, 12, 15 years. It's been a long time. And she never puts any pressure on um, any particular thing. We've tried to sell picture books, and she will pitch short stories for me when I have short stories that I'm submitting. And, um, in fact, with fingerprints of you because I was so happy about it. I did, I mean, truth be told, I wrote a book between fingerprints of you and invisible fault lines that, um, that is, you know, hide that I've hidden away. Um, that never, never went anywhere. But we, you know, we met after fingerprints of you came out and, and, um, and we were talking and I was working on this other book and I said, well, what about that other book we never sold? I was talking about the first book that we never sold. And I was like, I'm thinking I could pull it out of the drawer and change the character's age and we could do this and that. And then, and she's like smiling. We're having wine in New York. We've met in person because that's when you, you know, you could do that. <laughs> um, and she's like smiling and nodding and I'm going on and on about how easy it'll be to take this first novel we never sold and just turn it into a YA. <laughs> And then finally she was like, what are you talking about? (laughs) And she just said, but you're writing this other book, aren't you? And I said, well, yeah, but the YA thing's going so on. She was like, you have to write the book that you're supposed to be writing right now. You know, she encouraged me to to just follow the stories that are interesting to me and the ideas are interesting and not think about the label for as long as possible when I'm doing the work. So, for example, um... I just got notes from my agent on a new novel, and when I started it, the opening section was um, being told from the point of view of a 17-year-old girl, and I just let that happen. Um, And then when I sat down to start chapter two, uh, she was 35, 36, and I thought, oh, that's interesting. (laughs) I guess maybe this isn't YA. And so I try um, to be very open-minded during the writing, especially the early chapters, especially the early drafts, especially the first draft. I I rarely know what I'm doing um, when I start. So in that sense, I'm not thinking about YA or not YA. And so there are no differences, really. I'm just trying to find the story and find the character and hopefully an authentic voice and um, following things along as blindly as possible because I think it's more intuitive, my work, my early draft work. Um, and then I might go back and once I've pinpointed what label it would 
falls under what category, then I might think a little more cognitively about, well, if it's YA, or for example, the book that I intentionally wrote is YA, because I've become like this voice, of, I would teach YA classes and I would talk about YA, I'm, like, I know now what some of the tools are that are specific to that genre, so then I'm thinking more um, specifically about urgency, voice, immediacy, um, momentum, and YA things tend to move a little faster, a little bit closer, a little bit rawer, um, where if I'm writing a, a novel where I have room to slow things down that I know is going to be for adults, I can kind of make that leap of faith that I can meander a little bit more and take things a little bit slower in moments I think might have earned that, um, where in YA I think I feel more pressure. So, but essentially, I, and they're not all that different. I mean, it comes down to the age of the character and the immediacy. So, if it's a 17-year-old character, but they're 45, talking about 17, that could easily be literary. Why? I mean, a literary fiction novel. Um, if it's a close 17, then it's going to be YA. Um, but I think we're. I mean, I lean on the same tools. I'm always using the same tools. I'm trying to find new. I mean, YA didn't used to exist, and and so there may be someday in the future where it won't again. I mean, it used to just be it was a novel, and then your main character was a kid, you know, and it didn't get a separate label. So, and no. and so many adults read YA oh, uh, yeah. because that's what they really want to be reading, whatever or a book that has been labeled YA. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, I wanted to just turn back to talking about residencies because I really thought it was fascinating that you were able to write a whole book in five weeks, <laughs> which is, I'm like, sign me up for that residency. <laughs> and what were you eating? And if anything else that, you know, what kind of paper and what kind of pen? Right. Um, but um, how, if you were to reflect, and this is like a challenging point, but like how many residencies have you been on, like different ones? I know you, you were saying that you like to go back to, you know, return to ones that are particularly right. Um, you know, I've been doing this for a long time, and so I think it depends on the life phase. So when I was writing Fingerprints of You and some of the earlier books out of my MFA program before I had a family, I was hungry for new environments and hungry for that um, unknown space and the feeling of being displaced, that would actually serve the work well. Um, I always feel like my eyes are a little wider when I travel. So I went to all kinds of different places. I, I went to Vermont and Hambitch and Malay and New York and Key West. And I mean, I would go anywhere because I could, as long as um, my kind of rules were I would prefer not to pay or to pay as little as possible because I was working, you know, um, part-time jobs, always never a nine-to-five. You can't just up and go to residency if you have a nine-to-five, necessarily. Um, if you have a couple part-time jobs and you can get your shifts covered, then you can up and go to a residency. So I was traveling as much as possible because I could. Um, I was always looking for places that offered scholarships or financial aid and places that would feed you. That felt very important to eliminate that task from your day. 
Um, so I went to Hedgebrook and just a lot of wonderful places. And I was also really looking to find community too, all over the all over the country. Now I'm older um, and I have children, and that has its own kind of um, that shifts my, shifts my availability and my needs in its own way. And also, I just like I like my habits more now as I've gotten older. So now I've found my spots that are easy to go to. Obviously, we're in Charlottesville, so BCCA is just up the road. I know exactly what it's going to look like. I know where I'm going to be sleeping. I know how to get there. I know what I need to bring, and there's some real comfort in that. Where when I was writing in my 20s and early 30s, I liked the adventure component. Now I really like to know. There's a, I'm looking for more of a comfort. In the habits and rituals. So, before the pandemic, I would go to UCCA. I would try to go about twice a year um, if, I, if they would have me. And, you know, I would go for four days, maybe five. That would be a big splurge. I had little kids at home. In my 20s and 30s, I would go for, you know, five, six weeks. And I'd go. So it's, it just it changes, right? Depending on your life stage. My husband has gone to a lot of the similar places as a painter and sculptor. Do you feel like there's a difference in the residency having all sorts of creative artists or just having writers? I mean, and I also know they're very set up differently. He's even gone to one where you're basically isolated in a cabin in upstate New York. And he basically had to go meet, you know, a local Amish. <laughs> He's very social in order to talk to somebody because there was nobody else. He was just really by himself. What What have you found has been? I, I really appreciate the ones where mixed media is and mixed artists. Um, so at the Malay Colony, I think when I was there, there was six of us maybe. And there was a composer and a handful of visual artists. Poets and, and BCCA is the same way. A lot of them are. I love the exposure and the challenges of, um, of understanding different angles and different arts. I absolutely love that. Um, on the flip side, I went to Hedgebrook when I was editing Fingerprints of You, so that was you know quite some time ago. Hedgebrook is on an island. It's all women. It's um, fairly small. Maybe there was, again, six or eight of us, and I and all writers, all women writers. And I loved the concentrated intensity. And I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about being with all, one, all women. And I loved the concentrated intensity of, of that environment as well. So there's things to be gained, I think, in, in each kind of setup. Um, there's such a gift. And so now that I'm further along in my career, um, when I can, that's, you know, I try to support them as much as possible because I look back at that time when I was, you know, late 20s, had the MFA, and was, in some sense, quite lost. I wasn't really sure where this was going to lead me. And then to have the support of a place like Key West who said, we believe in what you're doing. Come down. Let us take care of you so you can work on this. There's just, I and mean, that's so important to foster talent like that. And it's not really about age, but in terms of the level of your career. Um, when you need that kind of support and you find
question just that occurred to me while you were talking. Do you feel that a residency is more valuable to you when you are in the, like, um, you know, the first draft phase? You mentioned revising there as well. I mean, did you have a, is it different residencies to help different things or just wherever you are in your book, it's helpful to get away and focus? I think it's always helpful to get away and focus. This world is so loud and distracting. Um, so yes, I think it's always, always helpful to get away and focus. Um, the early draft work, first draft work in particular, I, I struggle with and it is useful to be able to be immersed in it all day, every day, which is what you're going to get at a residency. You wake up and you're living with these characters and this world all day long versus at home you might live with them for half an hour in the morning before you put the kids on the bus and then you might live with them for half an hour in the grocery store, you know, the in and out. So I think that kind of concentrated time is, is especially useful in early draft work. But right now, I just got notes back from my agent on this new book, and I'm thinking, oh, what I would do to have, like, 10 days away just to knock it out. You know, I could probably knock this rewrite out in 10 days if I was at a residency. Um, I don't have that lined up for various reasons and the pandemic and all these things. So it'll probably take me a few months, really, realistically, to do what I need to do now with this next project. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they're valuable at any stage of the career in, your, in the process. And have you known, when you go to a residency, have you known exactly what it is that you want to do at that particular residency, whether it's drafting new material or editing? And then um, the other part of that question is, have you done whatever you thought? If so, have you done what you thought you were going to do, or has it taken on a life of its own there? Yeah, I think for me there's... Part, um, there's always a part where I, I'll set a goal, you know, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to start this new thing. It'd be great if I could get it halfway done. I'm going to start this story. It'd be great if I could finish it. I'm revising. I need to get through the draft. I, I, the goal setting is a huge piece in planning residencies, time in residencies. But um, just in the same way that when you're writing, I'll, you, you kind of make a plan and you think you know where you're going. I also think it's really important to leave room for the surprises. So at VCCA, I was there to, um, this was a, uh, probably about three years ago, um, I was there to, my goal had been to get through another, the end of a draft of a book I was working on, maybe start, start a short story, and on a walk one evening, um, I kind of launched myself into a new, seeds of a new novel. Um, and it just wouldn't leave me alone. Because you have the space in your head and your day for the projects to really nudge themselves into your world. And so I thought I was there to work on one thing, and um, I ended up starting something else. So I love those surprises, though. And, and I think you can lose the opportunity for those in the, in the world, right, in the world that we live in day to day. So maybe if that idea had come to me now, this week, while I was doing this and that with the kids and teaching and all these other things, I might have missed it. But because I was there and it was quiet and I was able to pay attention to it, um, you know, hopefully that's the book that's going to be my next book. I've been working on it for a while now. So you never know. I, I don't 
Yes, yeah. of Elizabeth Gilbert. Right, right. She talks about like these ideas sort of floating around, and if you're paying attention, you can if if you can grab them when they're ready to be grabbed. Right. I thought that was such an interesting way of talking about it because I never thought of it like that. And once I read that kind of perspective, I was like, oh, that's totally what happens. And then she was also talking about trying to write something, and it didn't work out for her. And then Anne Patchett or somebody wrote like the same. And she was like, oh, I wasn't ready for it. And I basically launched it back and Anne took it. <laughs> okay, right. Isn't that so interesting? It like, kind of makes me uncomfortable and nervous because I'm like, like, I'm, like you know, waving around my arms all day long hoping to grab something. To grab something, yes. I think your arms are full right now and you have a book. <laughs> With the one, I, I don't know. I love the idea, though, that if you're open to it and you quiet your mind, that right. you have this ability then to hear these ideas or to grab one. Right. Yeah. And I would think being in that environment, I mean, by definition, different than your habitual and um, ordinary known world, that especially if you've got other people around and people doing different kinds of things, that the, um, yeah, there's a fertile mix of new ideas in the ether and space of There's your... so much inspiration. I mean, you know, depending on the setup of the residency, sometimes you take meals by yourself, sometimes they're communal, sometimes you can pick and choose. But, I mean, so many times I've sat down at the dinner table with strangers, people I'd never met before, and I've left just with, you know, pages in my notebook. Like, I, and I, I'm comfortable now, and, and everyone knows what you're doing. And I, I'm just going to take notes during our conversation everything you're saying is really interesting and I'm a writer and I want to remember you know and, and I'm, I have no problem doing that I'm always carrying my notebook around with me and so, so many times I'll sit down at a communal meal and have a conversation and that's where I think it's especially fun to be with other artists like with a composer and then all of a sudden you're using that in some way and you're like, so the opportunities are so rich I have to say, the only things that I would imagine were distracting, my husband would always report back that two people had a torrid affair <laughs> that then seized, you know, the attention of everyone, because then it was known that this guy was married, you know, or people would decide that this residency, you know, whatever being in, in beautiful Amherst was the perfect time to go off their meds. Right. <laughs> and... And that went about as well as you can imagine. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, but he always just came back so excited because really you're just sharing so much creative. It's like the creative energy in the room, you know, that he would go to the poetry nights even though, you know, he's a painter and that he would just feel like that was you know, super exciting and really, you know, you know that the respect that people had for each other. And I'm actually talking about it because I've never been to one. You should go. I mean, I think, I, I don't know, I think they're starting to open up again, I think. Um, yeah. yeah. I've meant to, I've just either had a small child or a full-time job. Right. And, but yeah, my kid goes to college soon. Oh, my goodness. I know. <laughs> I know. The, the world, world opens up. up. I know. That's like basically being pre-child. Right. right. Kristen, that, have, you ever, have you ever worked at residencies? 
I have done a little bit. I, um, like Meredith, I have had a job that has required me to be generally in a place. So that's as a professor at the university um, in Richmond, the Virginia Commonwealth University in Richmond. But um, but through VCU, I had opportunities to um, do some residencies. One of them was at a college um, in Oxford University, Harris Manchester College, which was really fun because I got to go to where Harry Potter was filmed and go into the Bodleian Library and um, so that was kind of magical. Um, and I had an opportunity that ended up bringing me to Charlottesville and inevitably, not inevitably at all, but uh, changing my whole writing world. That was um, a residency and fellowship at the Virginia Humanities, where I um, worked for a semester and met the guy I married husband. and moved here. What's that? <laughs> Stole her from and Richmond. that's why I'm here. Um, <laughs> we met very early on. That's right. That's yeah. right. We went to that wonderful restaurant, bang! Exclamation sure point. <laughs> I remember that, and I remember feeling so apologetic about it because I was I I was kind of at my wits' end at that moment. Actually, I had a book coming out. I'd been. It was my first trade book, so that was a book published with Harper, and I had no time to do any kind of publicity around it because I had been shanghaied into a bunch of administrative stuff at VCU. And so I was staying up all night long for, yes, on and off for weeks before that, trying to um, work through my colleagues' um, portfolios in a tenure and promotion committee's assignment. Anyway, I'm going on about this. It was just the most... Um, angsty moment in my uh, my writing life actually was that particular period of that residency but um, of course it has a happy ending if, if this is an ending I'm hoping it's just another beginning um, here in Charlottesville but I also had this wonderful opportunity a few years ago to go to Santa Fe there's a place called the Women's International Study Center and I it turned I was I was there partly, KP, I loved your um, note about how valuable it is to be around community, to have, you know, part of it is is this opportunity to be in community with other artists, writers, and, um, but it turned out that, so I, I arrived there, guy picked me up in Albuquerque to drive me to Santa Fe to this place, and he said, well, I have some good news, and I have some bad news, <laughs> and he said, the good news is going to be like a fantastic month. The sort of bad news is I remember you said something about really looking forward to community. Well, you're our first fellow, and we don't have anybody else coming. <laughs> so I was my own little community. I had this whole house to myself. I slept in different bedrooms. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it was nice to have that mo that sort of hiatus in the otherwise habitual ordinary stuff of my days to really immerse myself in in another project and I love that. talking about travel I think travel is incredibly um I usually write a lot more in my journal when I travel because I just feel like there's so much more you know input right as opposed to 
me walking my same walk in Belmont. <laughs> I said, I miss seeing you. Um, uh, where I kind of don't, I, I, I try to look at stuff and I try to be surprised by things, but often you just feel like it's the same young, it's the same thing, and da 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 da. da and, you can, and that can be helpful too, just the rhythm of walking. But when you travel, I just feel like there's so much and it can be incredibly creative. And so I'm really missing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, one day, not hopefully not so far from now. Um, yeah. So KP, some people may be, if they're listening, maybe wondering how, so just logistically, how do you do, how do you find a residency and how do you sign up? Do you have to have letters of recommendation? Do you have to tell them, do you have to have a novel? community, then you're going to want a larger residency, 
evening that does ask you to come to community meals? Are you looking to escape um, the hustle and bustle and you want more alone time? Then you're going to look more at places that, that might deliver your lunch and don't ask you to sit down and talk with other people. Some residencies ask you to teach a class or to do a public reading. Other residencies just ask you to be respectful and just do your own thing. So they all kind of offer different things and it just takes you to research. Um, there's no way around that. Yeah. I remember hearing a really funny, because um, of course he's always funny, David Sedaris talking about residencies and he said, we should give firefighters residencies. Like, because you go to lunch and it's a bunch of writers and no one wants to talk about what they're writing because they're afraid someone will steal it. Like, if I had a firefighter, I would totally ask him all these questions. <laughs> I have another idea. Writer Writing residencies should have, like, they should um, bring in someone, pay someone from a totally different line of work to come in and be there, like a firefighter. Because wouldn't that be great? Tell us your best story. Have you ever been in danger? Have you ever uh, almost died? <laughs> everyone goes and writes a firefighting book. <laughs> so, KP, are you able to do some um, residency kind of style, have some residency style moments in your new home? And even with these, these <laughs> wonderful stranger friends who are your children? Um, <laughs> um, I, you know, I, it's, it, there are no, like, tricks that kind of solve every problem, right? And so you just have to figure it out. Right now, like most people, um, I'm home with my family. Everyone's home. My children are home. They're not in school. My husband is home. He works from here now. Um, so I am reclaiming the early morning hours, um, which I, I do, I've done on and off throughout my career. It just depends on the need for it. So I'm back up uh, in the dark, uh, working in the morning before everyone's up. And it does feel slightly residency-ish, you know. I've got my space and I've got my coffee and it's quiet um, until it's not quiet. And I'm to make it quiet again. Um, and, you know, yeah, I think... I think you get better at finding that space no matter where you are. And, and maybe it's because um, I've collected all of these residency experiences and I can fall into that headspace a little bit easier because I've done it so often in so many different places. But you do just have to create it for yourself. And so right now I'm getting up in the morning and I close the door and I go to work and then I open the door and I go out into the world. <laughs> <laughs> I do think that 
I don't know. Um, I think I think that they are. I, I feel like I recently got an email from them. So I think that people, like everything, people are figuring out how to make it work. Um, so I highly recommend them for any stage of your process or your career. They well, saved me so many times. Thank you so much. Oh, helpful. Thank you so much for yeah. sharing. <laughs> I just, um, I think it's just such an interesting um, idea, and I wanted to just, yeah, pick your brain and find out what about it was attractive to you? And just hearing you describe made me definitely think, wow, I really should put that on my bucket list for the foreseeable future because I think, you know, once everyone's vaccinated um, and we can travel again, it would be um, it would be really fun to do. There's something so nurturing about it too and also about, like, just honoring that part of you. I think when you make the decision to go away like that and to really just kind of nurture that part of who you are it's it's really necessary as an artist to do that when you can I think it's such an act of respect for your own work exactly you're saying this is important and I need the space and I can do this if I have the space I also liked what you're saying about with the kids and I think that's something that I've had to grapple with is you just have to say to yourself I'm going to get it done it's just not going to be as quick right as maybe it was one day, and and that's okay. And to forgive yourself, to say it'll it'll happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Meredith, I'm excited to hear when you go, where you go, and what the experience is. <laughs> will KP and I will check back in with you about that. I'm sorry, but after this conversation, clearly it's Key West. <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> Key West! I am I am telling you. So, oh my gosh, Kristen Page Madonia, we have loved having you on the show. I do want to ask you really quick, you, you mentioned you're excited about your new project, this new project you have going, that you're doing a lot of reading. Is the reading yes. research related to the project or not? And how is the project evolving for you? Can you tell um, us anything about it, but no pressure? Um, I'm not reading anything for that project in particular because I've been away from it for a few weeks. I just read from my agent yesterday, so I'm starting to think about how to walk back into that project. It's it's about all the things I've been thinking about over the past few years. It's about motherhood and art. It's about race that opens um, here in Charlottesville just after the 2017 events, and so it's kind of a way for me to process some of those events. Um, it's about forgiveness and family, just all the things that um, thinking about all the time, but I, in the meantime, when I sent it off to my agent and was waiting, I started writing short stories again, so I'm reading short stories, I mean, not that I ever stopped, but I'm reading them differently now, because I'm trying to write them again, and it's been a long time. I'm in the middle of Life Among the Terranauts by Caitlin Morris, which is just a phenomenal book, I'm holding it up like... Yeah, Life Among the Terranauts. Yeah, she published a collection of short stories. I think I think I was in grad school when her first collection came out, This Is Not Your City, and I just fell in love with it. She published a novel after, but this is her second collection, and I've, just, I've really been enjoying that. And I'm reading How to Do Nothing right now. I don't know if you all have I've heard, heard of, of that, but yeah. It's wonderful. Um, my son, my son is reading now, he's in first grade, and he was like, how to do nothing? <laughs> I don't think he liked the sound of that at all. He was like, 
<laughs> Wait, mom's just going to start doing nothing now? <laughs> Make your own lunch, kid. Right, exactly. <laughs> I mean, he looked a little panicked when he picked it up the other day. Um, but it's all about the attention economy and, and our, um, our tendencies to pay attention to things that um, are actually so distracting. It's been really wonderful. It's been a great week so far. I'm reading constantly. I think that's been a gift of the pandemic of home more in the evenings and just kind of finally digging into so many wonderful books. There's been some great books that have come out the last year. Um, and from what I hear, the publishing industry is, uh, is doing okay. I love hearing people are buying books. It's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, I think one of the things this pandemic has... Um, made folks realize that the absolute crucial importance of art for keeping our sanity and for feeling like there's richness in life um, from stories, of course, and the stories that are told visually on the screen, as well as, of course, in books. But our music and um, other visual arts, it's really, I think, made people, I hope anyway, made people appreciate how um, art is not just a nice little thing to indulge every so often, but really is vital to our humanity and sanity. <laughs> Absolutely. Mental health. And it's a way to engage with community again. Yes. I'm, a book. I'm engaging with a community of characters and then the writer's community as well. And Yeah, such a that's good all point. That's traveling we're doing <laughs> in the pages. <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you again for thank talking you. with us. It was so great to see your face. Hopefully, um, hopefully we'll be able to get together again for gatherings. Yeah. Because yeah. you all are out there doing the same thing. Keep writing and reading and having these conversations. I'm so grateful that you are doing it. Bye. I mean, you you just listening to her, you can imagine what a fabulous teacher she is. Um, and, you know, and she's also a fabulous writer. And it just made me really long for the days when we all got together and right? had a glass of wine and uh, share what was happening. Um, yes, yes. And then also travel just talking about travel made me think oh santa fe i know I mean, doesn't it just get you all uh, it gets me all warm inside thinking about those places communal dinners at a residency and talking to people that are not in your immediate family <laughs> <laughs> or the wall as the case may be for me yeah Oh, yeah. Well, okay. it will come again. And you, Meredith, to get to a residency, it's in your future. I see it in my crystal ball, and I'm excited yeah. to hear. Yeah, I thought this year would be the year, and I think I'm going to have to postpone that for another year. <laughs> One more year. Because um, I think it, it's so hard to plan right now. Um, it's hard to figure out sort of when do we reach sort of enough vaccination that we can do yes. stuff like that again. And, um, so I think it'd be a little uncertain to try to plan it. Yes, I agree. But you can dream. But a girl can dream. But I should plan. <laughs>
I'm sure they're all full. Residencies are all full in 2022 because everyone's right. everybody's everybody's doing it now. Oh well, it's fun to research and imagine, and then we'll try to put ourselves in that place with our rich imaginations while we are nevertheless at home to do yeah. and the work. We will be back in just a couple of weeks, and we're going to talk about your book. And I can't wait. Oh, woohoo! Um, well, thank you. So I'll talk to you next time. Bye.